pastel de nata. Churros. Brigadeiro. Calzone. Apple pie. Shredo roupinha. Bangers and mash. Toad in the hole. Baella. Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of Turning Chickens and Breaking Dishes. And after a long spring break, I have the pleasure to announce my guest for this week's episode. She's a favorite nationwide, but especially here in the D.C. area. She's an acclaimed chef, author, former model, TV host, and activist. She was the co-host of The Chew. She's a two-time Top Chef, first on season five, and then the eight-season Top Chef All-Stars. She has written several cookbooks, and she's even a judge at the National Gingerbread House Competition. And she's always rocking the most amazing glasses. Carla Hall, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, David. Thank you for having me. Important question to start right away. Have you ever been to Portugal? No, it is on my list. It is. Oh, Everybody it is says absolutely... that Eric Adjupong was here. He said the same thing. Everybody just tells me that. It's okay. I'll start getting commission every time people go to Portugal now. No, I know. But let me tell you. So I have friends who are going and they're from England. They go all the time. And so I was planning on um, like getting on one of their trips and and then they canceled the trip. So then we, we didn't go. But it, it absolutely is on my list. I love Portuguese food. It's, it's, it's amazing. And, okay. and I just want to tell you this. So Portuguese shows up in my DNA. Okay. How so? Yeah. So I did my um, African ancestry. And so Spanish and Portuguese shows up in my ancestral DNA. I mean, because Portuguese, the Portugal, the Portuguese were, you know, yeah, ruling yeah, the yeah. world for a yeah, minute. Yeah, so yeah, it's, it's kind of... I understand. I understand that part. Yeah, that's true. I understand that part. So we have two things in common, uh, Carla. One is you went to business school and you were an accountant mm -hmm. that you loved so much that lasted for a couple of years, correct? Um, yeah. I went to accounting school, college, and then I was like, definitely, I'm not even going to try to make this as a profession. That's the first thing we have in common, kind of. The second thing is, back in the days, not, not that long, but back in the days, you used to teach in a retail store in Arlington, where I teach now as a part-time, as for fun, in Pentagon. Yes! yes. Yeah. Oh. And my question for you is, we're not going to talk about numbers because nobody cares about that. No. Uh, we're going to talk about, I just want to know, what do you remember when you used to teach? What was, if there's anything you remember? I remember doing the knife skills class and getting people into it. And I, I love the power of teaching and watching someone learn and getting it. I love that. You know, also because I wanted to do theater when I was a kid, teaching is sort of a stage, <laughs> like it's, it's, it's a stage of theater, mm -hmm. you know, um, but I, I loved it. But that little that small kitchen and, and having all of the assistants set everything yeah. up and having the relationship with them. And yeah, I loved it. It always surprised you because it surprised me now. But nowadays we have social media on top of it. You know, back in the days there was no Instagram going, whatever. But this, this always surprised you how, and I don't say this in a mean way, but how little pe people know. Because, you know, I teach there a lot. I remember first time I asked someone to separate an egg, they look at me like I just canceled Christmas. I was like, I'm just asking you. Did that surprise you? It it, it did at the time. And yeah. also when I say to somebody, um, here, turn the pan, they're like, if I turn the pan, then the things are going to fall off of it. Uh, okay. I'm like, so I choose my words, like rotate the pan. Don't turn the pan or rotate the pan. But um, when I was on the chew and I, and people would say, you all talk down to people and, you know, you act like nobody can cook. I'm like, look, 
I, I taught cooking classes. I know what they don't know. I know firsthand what people don't know because mm-hmm. I'm never surprised, you know, and, and if somebody else steps into, and I think, I think we are surprised. I used to be surprised. I'm not surprised now, but I used to be surprised because food is something that everyone does. You know, you have to eat. Uh, it's not like, Oh, I don't know about medicine, but I don't do medicine every day. You, you don't have to do medicine every day. You have to cook or eat something every day. And I think that's, that's why it seems to be a surprise. Uh, both of your grandmothers were great cooks, mm-hmm. different styles, different styles. Yeah. There was a little bit of a competition. Who do you think would win? Who was the, the one had a little bit of an advantage? Oh, you know, it depends on what they were making. So if it was baked goods, rolls, it would be my granny. If it was fried chicken and and I think her greens, it would be my grandmother. My grandmother felt like more of a down-home soul food cook, whereas my granny made a healthier version of soul food. And her pound cake was amazing, her peach cobbler, because my grandfather had high blood pressure. So she made a lighter version, which is why I'm sort of somewhere in the middle. But fried chicken, nobody could touch my grandma Thelma. She was the best. <laughs> okay. Is there any dish? I know you also have your, you know, your famous biscuits recipe and fried chicken. Is there anything outside of more that, I guess, food that you remember used to make that you, you miss a lot? Um, so my grandmother would do smothered pork chops and they would start cooking right after she had her oatmeal in the morning. And, and they would just cook so slowly that they would just fall apart. And I remember her using, at least the taste reminds me of like Heinz 57. Like, I don't know how she made the sauce, but there was, there was like this steak sauce in it and the onions that would just melt and it was so good. And then it would have it with rice and then beans and, and also like potatoes that would just fall apart, but they were cooked in with the potatoes. So that juice, that pot liquor from the beans were in the potatoes. Mm-hmm that see i i always it makes me sad when i hear sad and happy when i hear these stories of my guests because i had no influence growing up my mom she's a horrible cook she i mean she admits she's a horrible cook she eats to get full she doesn't get the pleasure we have that in common there you go we have three things three things in common now yeah three and counting <laughs> yes. that is my mother my grandmother's cook my mother my mother eats for sustenance i don't even understand it so how was that growing up because you had the difference you know someone's you know how was that Um, so my, my mother made five things, uh, a pot roast, um, chicken in a bag, you know, hamburger helper, suet make spaghetti. And then she made pancakes for dinner. Okay. Those are the five things. Oh, meatloaf. Meatloaf was in there too. Okay. If I take pancakes out, meatloaf was in there. Um, and we went to my grandmother's house every Sunday. So we looked forward to it. My mother would take leftovers from my grandmother's house back home because that would be her lunches for the next like two days. So, so like Monday and Tuesday, she would have leftovers. And my mother did this until my grandmother was 92. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, mama. But I yeah. love meatloaf. And I, and I think it has a lot to do with my mother's meatloaf. I absolutely love meatloaf. And my mom doesn't even have six on her repertoire. I think she had like two. And I was like, you know, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, one. And then Tuesday, Thursday, and whatever the other. It's, it was rough. It was rough. But we also, I think it was more... Portugal is one of those countries people, you know, sometimes don't know that much. But kind of like Spain, you, you go out a lot to eat. And I know people go out to eat here. But I always, I always say there's a difference from like 
a lower end restaurant to a medium to high restaurant. Portugal has a lot of like just laid back places. My mom, she go get sardines across the street and looks at a place you should never go, but it's the most delicious sardines. And she just stays there for four hours. It's a little different, right? It's a little, it's a, I think the whole, the way I think Europeans in, are around food and Americans in general is a little different. 100%. What, because I think when I hear you say that you all would go out, it, it still was food that you might have prepared at home if you were cooking. Mm-hmm. When we go out, I think it's more salt, more sugar, more fat. And it's not necessarily the everyday food. And maybe it's not, I'm not saying in, in all restaurants, you know, so you have to go high end to get those fresh ingredients, everything yeah. made from scratch. Whereas I think when you think about European countries and going out, I feel like everything, you know, at the time when you were growing up, it was, it was all fresh. Yeah. See, I want, I, my hometown, they are famous for deep fry cuttlefish. It's a thing. Mm-hmm. And I miss that. But even when you eat fish there, it's, they grill the fish heads on, which Americans hate. But, you know, the fish is dead. Nothing happens. But heads on. And then they just serve you like a little boiled potatoes and salad. And I stopped eating fish when I moved to the U.S. It's not because the U.S. doesn't have, have fish. The food here is amazing. But I always make a joke, you know, for me to go to a restaurant, first of all, to get just a grilled fish, it's difficult. Not a lot of places will have it. And if you're going to get fish, it will be a tilapia stuffed with crab and wrapped with bacon. That's not what I want. That makes nothing wrong with that. But that's not what I crave. So when I go back home, that's my diet for two weeks. I just eat fish because I love fish. I mean, unless I yeah. go buy a Branzino and grill it at home, I can. But I don't want that. I want to just go out. You know, I want to remind me home what I used to do and how we eat. But yeah, it's, it's a little different. One of the things I, I was curious, just, just curiosity. I never made one. But what are the requirements for a good gingerbread house? Because I just have no recollection. I never made one. So tell me. Right. So... you. There's one thing to eat gingerbread, and then there's another thing to actually make structurally sound gingerbread. And so when you make the gingerbread, you don't have any eggs or anything in the dough. You cook it, and then you have to dry it out, and then it has to cure over a a couple of days. So it has to dry out and get hard. That is the thing. You cannot make gingerbread the same day that you start building because it has too much moisture in it. And so if you try to put the house together, that moisture will start to make things like your royal icing and everything soft, and it'll just fall apart. So I think that's the biggest thing. You just have to make um, a structurally sound gingerbread prior to now, there's another thing called um, ginger clay. So you can take your gingerbread from the previous year or just really, really dry it out, gingerbread, and then pulse it down and add, I forget what they add to it, and then it becomes pliable where you can make a clay and then you roll that out. And it's, it's almost like cement. It is very sturdy, very hearty, and... It's accredited to, oh my gosh, I forget the woman's name. Um, she created this ginger clay. If you look up ginger clay, her name is going to pop up, but okay. menopause does not have me calling this name right Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to know, because, you know, a lot of people like gingerbread house. I just, I was just curious about that. Has your food philosophy changed throughout the years? What was a Carla Hall thinking 15 years ago and she's thinking now? Oh, oh interesting. So 15, I would even say 20 years ago, I remember when 20 years ago, I would make things that I thought were fancy or like very French or not necessarily fancy, but um, technically challenging or something that I don't know, that I did in culinary school and, you know, very French driven. 
And now my philosophy is about cooking with love and from the heart. And because I think that that is the food where I connect the most with my culture. And that is the food that I realized when I was on Top Chef that is so much a part of me that I did it without thinking. I did it even when I was stressed. I did it when I was missing home. I did it when I wanted to be with my grandmother. And that's the food that that I feel sort of serves me and brings me the most joy. Today, you know, I, I could tell that the day was busy for you. And my question for you is, and I, I read one time when you said when you were all in and the things you do, you're all in. But when it's time to turn it off, you turn it off. Uh-huh. From, you know, books, TV appearances, everything, you know, you, you're judging gingerbread houses, everything going on. What do you do to find that balance? Because the idea that I have, so I, when I moved to the US and that when I started looking at your stuff, you always seem very happy, which is a great thing that we get on this side, on this end, right? Mm-hmm. You remind me a little bit of Phil Rosenthal. When I asked him here, it was the same thing. Phil was always, he's always at that smile, right? He always think like, yeah. hey, what's what's the secret? But so what do you do to just find that mental ballast to like completely turn it off? What's the, what's something that gives you really a lot of joy to kind of bring that balance to you? I listen to a lot of audible books. So books on tape. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love, so I wanted to be an actress when I was younger. And so I look at a lot of television. Some people will say, oh, I don't look at that much television. I'm like, I do. Unapologetically, I look at a <laughs> lot of TV. And you cannot shame me for looking at TV. I look at a lot of television. Okay. Um, and, you know, and, and I've been like this for a long time, even if I was catering and, you know, really tired, I would go to Blockbuster over the weekend or, you know, when I had two days, it probably wasn't the weekend, but like a Monday or Tuesday and I would rent like seven to eight movies and I would just sit there and watch them back to back to back. Um, that's what I do. That's what brings me joy. And just, just like download, it could be something mindless, but, but generally it's probably going to be something where I have to use my mind, like uh, a whodunit or something. Cause I want to, I love slow movies. I love like really getting into slow. Me too. When those that like they they take thirty seconds to show the door opening. I love that. Right. You right. The, right. You hear the door like making noises. Like that's the what a movie is all about. Oh my god! Thank I you. love that you said that. The sound. Like I love the sounds of things. Yes. And there's a reason for everything. And I want to get in the world of the director of photography and, and the director and and why there's a reason that we heard that. And, I, and I'm waiting to, for it to be revealed, right? So I yes. love slow films. Thank you. Thank you. Someone agrees. That we have four things in counting. <laughs> four and counting. Four and counting. <laughs> so you mentioned twice already in the interview, and maybe that can be the answer. We got accounting. We got modeling. We got chef, mm-hmm. entrepreneur, activist, books. What's something that you would lo- it's still in you that you still want to give it a chance to try? Is it acting? Is it like being oh, it's stage? acting. Okay. Oh, 100%. It's 100%. I, I've said it in recent interviews how I want to do a one-woman show. And I I just signed up for a virtual acting class. And so that, that's what I still want to do. And I remember when I had to switch from acting to a, a, that I ended up majoring in accounting. In my head, I said, acting has no time. There's there, I can always do it. So I feel like it, and acting also was the thing that saved me when I felt like I was this weird kid and I'd potentially being bullied, but then I did theater. Uh, and it was also the thing that rejected me. So I didn't get into the Boston University, which was the conservatory that I wanted to. They were going to defer my admission. So it saved me. It rejected me. And I and I think coming full circle, 
it will probably be the thing that will give me the most joy at this juncture in my life, you know? Is there any specific, even if you go to see a play, uh, is there a specific that you like from musicals to drama? Is there anything you prefer or you don't care? Um, I like them all. I'm going to, actually, I'm going to a play tonight. I, I like a musical, but I also love, um, I love a drama. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I saw the piano lesson and death of a salesman. Yeah. I see a lot. I see both. Okay. Um, if I am tired, I will I'll choose a musical because I, I need something that's up. You know, I don't have the, the energy to be drawn into a play, but you know, uh, last night I was watching more television and I was watching poker face and I saw Cherry Jones and I remember seeing her and Glass Menagerie. And every time I see her on television, I think, wow, she is fantastic in person on stage. And yeah. it's just amazing. And that's the thing that I love. And so it's still in me, but I still enjoy seeing, but I, I also enjoy seeing dance and everything. I just love the arts. And you see, we're very lucky, right? They offer a lot of different things. Our rapid fire questions. The first one is, what was your first memory of taste? <laughs> I like that reaction. Ooh. <laughs> I know. Oh, you know, okay, the first thing um that came up for me was mashed potatoes. Okay. Yeah, okay. mashed potatoes. Mashed potatoes and peas. The most underrated ingredient for you. Celery. <laughs> Sorry, that was super fast. It was. I didn't expect that. <laughs> um overrated ingredient. Truffle, truffle salt, truffle oil stuff this one might be tricky what is the strangest food combination that carla hall might do this happens a lot in the sweet and salty worlds when you eat like I, something together people look at you be like come on carla really so i uh, when you said it i think the tomatoes and peanut butter sandwich no but just in stuff so okay okay, okay. it seems like a, a strange combination but and i and i think of that one because i remember watching top chef and Somebody had done something with tomatoes and peanut butter and um, Tom Colicchio had said, oh, this is just a strange combination. And I'm like, but no, wait, in African cultures, they have yeah, yeah. peanut butter, groundnuts do with tomatoes all the time. Mm-hmm. And so, but let me see, let me, let me think of another, something else that I, that may be strange. I, I, I have a pretty, I think a pretty conventional do you do French fries uh, and milkshake? Yeah, I mean, and, and that I like that because it's well, one, it's hot and cold, but it's also the salty sweet. The salty mm-hmm. sweet is I, I love, but but what I don't like is when people overcompensate for the salt with the salty sweet. Like it's salty. This this is no longer good. This is salty, but salty sweet is balanced. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, the one thing that we are constantly saying to the bakers. Um, is it needed more salt as if they don't, they don't use enough salt in mm-hmm. baking. So it tastes flat. Oh, I, I like tomatoes and strawberries. Okay. Yeah. That's good. What is your, I was going to ask, normally the question is best midnight snack for you. If you have one, you can say it, but we change it up because you said you love to watch movies, a good snack when you're watching something. Popcorn. Okay. Any, anything, anything on your popcorn or just, just um, butter? No, I don't do butter. We okay. don't do butter. I just do salt. We do um, the Celtic sea salt mm-hmm. and olive oil. We do olive oil and salt. Okay. Mm-hmm. One meal you can you can you could eat for the rest of your life. Oh, 
Okay, the first thing that came to me was pancakes, like lemon ricotta pancakes. But then I'm like, oh, I feel bloated. I'm so full, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> I, forget about it. Who cares? Yeah, okay. We get the pancakes. I love, I love pancakes. Oh my god, I, I love really good pancakes. I love pancakes that when you lift up a side, they, they, the whole thing doesn't pick up. Like you know, like it doesn't pick up like a card. It picks up like a rug, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's just light and beautiful and just ah. Oh, but not too thick, but yeah. but thick enough. Like, oh, you having a moment, Carla? <laughs> she wants pancakes. <laughs> she wants pancakes for dinner. Um, the name of the podcast is "Turning Chickens and Breaking Dishes." That's actually two Portuguese phrases. Turning chickens means someone that has a lot of experience, and breaking uh -huh. dishes means someone has exceeded expectations. Do you think you've been turning more chickens or breaking more dishes? Okay, a lot of experience exceeding expectations. Yes. I think a lot, a lot of experience. I. I I think I've been turning chickens because I'm always searching for a new thing. I'm a seven Enneagram. I don't even know if that means anything to you, no, but I sorry. love learning new things. Okay. And um, seven is the adventurer. So I love being a student of something. I, okay. I love doing things with my hands and um, I'm a constant, it's like an explorer, but an explorer of things, doing new things. At the end of the podcast, I tell my guests to sell their fish, other Portuguese phrase. When someone tells to sell your fish, that means to talk about yourself. I know there's a QVC line there you just launched, you know, where people can find you. Just sell your fish, Carl. This is your time to sell your fish. I've been working on this project with QVC for four years. Four years, I have spoken to engineers. I've taken all of the things that I've done in teaching classes at Sir La Table. Um, how someone uses something. If you are not a cook, I've thought about things that you probably wouldn't even think about, like the handles of the sheet pan. And uh, the handles are large, so then when you grab a uh, a pot holder, you can still hold the pan, <laughs> you know, and it can wipe clean. The colors are vibrant and bright, and I want I want to bring the joy into the kitchen and the joy back into cooking. Perfect. Carlo, two important questions. Well, one important question before I forget. Uh, you said you're going out to see something today, right? Mm -hmm. But what's for dinner, if you have anything in mind? Do you know? So for dinner, I'm having my, my husband made a curry chicken with rice and peas and toasted cashews. So I'm having that. It is my favorite meal. This is how he got me. It was one of the first okay. things that he made me um, uh, when we started dating, the black pepper chicken curry. Mm -hmm. So I'm having that. Yeah, okay. so I'm eating at home. I'm not I'm not eating out. That that's so funny. It's so funny. Yeah, I'm answering my own question. Yeah. But a lot of people <laughs> say, Oh my gosh, where where do you go out to eat? Because I travel so much, I love eating at home. I get it. Uh, it's also <laughs> yeah. less there's less um I mean things bothering there's less things bothering you, right? If you just you at home, you can have your pajamas on if you want and just sit on a couch and that's it. You can't do I mean you can show up in a pajama at a restaurant, that might be I don't know. But you know, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Um, Carla, thank you very much. You know, let's have dinner since we both don't live too far away from each other. I, I would love that. I'm going to promise you that. And I'm going to take you to a place that has really great fish where the head's on. You can get it simply grilled and it's not going to be bone fish. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. It's only audio. Don't worry about it. Okay, great. Okay. Um... <laughs> nobody just saw you did. It's okay. Don't worry about it. I did, but nobody will see. <laughs> Okay. Um, no, we'll definitely schedule but, um, Yes, we will absolutely schedule. I would mm -hmm. love that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. you too. Bye-bye.
Thank you very much, Carla, for coming on the podcast. Everybody, go check her new line on QVC and also everything she's up to at Carl Hope on Instagram. If you have any questions for me, you can send me an email to info at david with an E at the end, gmartins.com. That's D A V I D E G M A R T I N S dot com. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. Make sure you're safe. Make sure you're happy. Adios.